traditional church. And the reason I say that, when I was growing up, when it was time for worship, um, you only raised your hands if you had a question. And it was if you then. There was uh, very traditional in the worship style that I grew up in. Not to say that it wasn't true worship. Not to say that you know, people didn't love the Lord. Because they, they certainly did. Thankful for it. Most of the music we played when I was growing up in the church I grew up in was, was hymn music. You know, and, I, and I love the old hymns. We sang one this morning that's my all-time favorite, Victory in Jesus. Powerful, powerful song. And if you can't worship to Victory in Jesus, I don't know what you can worship to. It's really good. But how many of you understand this morning that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty? How do you understand this morning where the Spirit of the Lord is? There is liberty. Amen. We have freedom in our worship. People say, brothers, it's okay to raise hands in worship. Absolutely, that's scriptural. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul told Timothy, he said that I would win, I would that men would pray everywhere. Doing what? Lifting up holy hands unto the Lord. That's not, that's not something that, uh, that God is not pleased with. That's something God wants. That's something that, uh, as God's people, we, we should do. And you should feel free to do. The Bible says that, um, you know, we can freely worship Him because He has shown mercy and grace to us. And so when we come together as the people of God, understand you are free to worship. And I know a lot of people are thinking, now, Brother Israel, man, if you start saying stuff like that, well, I think we're swinging from the rafters. Let me tell you something, folks. We are a long way away from that. <laughs> a long way away from that. And, and I want you to know, it's a whole lot easier to calm down a zealot than it is to wake up a corpse. And so, listen, folks. Come with purpose. That purpose being to worship Jesus. We're going to talk a lot about that this morning. Take your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 10. And, and what I want to do today is ask and answer a question. And I want to answer it according to the truth of the Word of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's always my purpose. To give truth to you that comes straight from God's Word. Not what I think. Not what I say, but what God's Word is teaching us. Can you say amen? Because that's where truth is found. In the precious, powerful, uh, absolute truth of, of God's precious Word. And, and so I always want to make sure that, that I'm giving you truth from God's Word. And I want you to make sure of that too. So I encourage you, bring your Bibles. And I know we've got the screen and I use the screen and I want you to use it too. It, it's helpful from time to time for all of us. But you'll get so much more out of the service if you bring your own personal Bible and have it with you. Bring a pen with you and write something down. And listen, underline a scripture that means something to you. I promise you, you'll be blessed by that. So I always want to make sure that I'm in the Word of God. And I want you to make sure that I'm in the Word of God. Get, hey, listen to me, folks. We need to get in the habit of doing that. Don't just take what I say uh, as, as truth, even, even though I, I want you to know I'm going to do everything I can as your pastor to stick with the Word of God, but make sure I'm doing it. Everyone you listen to, everything you listen to, get your Bible out. See what it's saying for you. Can you say amen? amen. Don't just take my word for it. 
So I want to answer this question according to the truth of the Word of God, but I also want to answer it by the power of the Holy Spirit because I realize I can never be effective in doing God's work without His power. Do you know that? None of us can. None of us can. So what, what are we going to talk about this morning? What's the question? Why should we attend church? What's the importance of it? What's the purpose of it? I think it's something that needs to be talked about. Let me tell you why. Because I know a whole lot of people who claim to know Jesus, who claim to love Jesus, and who even claim to follow Jesus, who do not regularly attend church. And that's a sad thing. It's extremely sad. It's extremely sad for the body of Christ. And it's extremely sad for those individuals. Now let me tell you why. Listen to me, folks. Those individuals who choose to not regularly attend church and get plugged into the local church, they're missing out on being a part of what God is doing in the earth. How do you understand that what God does in this earth, He does through His church? Do you know it? We are His hands. We are His feet. We are His body. One body made up of many members. And listen to me now. It's God the Holy Spirit that gives His body life. It's God the Holy Spirit that works through His body by His power. And so what God does, He does through His body, the church. And if you're not regularly attending and plugged into a church, you're missing out on all that God has for you. That's a sad thing. You're missing out, really, a little bit of heaven here on earth. I want you to think about heaven. I don't know how my, me and my little girl Ellie Grace had a, a, a long discussion this past week on what heaven is going to be like. I mean, she come up with some questions that, uh, that really made me scratch my head and think and dig in the Word of God. I mean, she come up with some good stuff. And, and she was asking all of these different things about how old we're going to be in heaven and, and what heaven's going to look like and, and just all kind of amazing things. We've got to talk about straight from the truth of the Word of God. It was a good discussion. And I found out, I don't know everything about heaven, but let me tell you what I do know about heaven. I know in heaven we're going to be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen to that? Completely unhindered by this flesh, which I believe to be the greatest thing about heaven. Right now, we are hindered in this flesh. Right now, we are hindered uh, by how we think, by how we act, by the unconfessed sin in our lives. We're hindered by our weaknesses here. But when we get to heaven, that will not be the case. In heaven, we will be forever, eternally, unhindered by the flesh in the presence of the Lord Jesus. That's amazing. And guess what else is going to be in heaven? God's people. So you've got the presence of God and the people of God. Now what do you have when you come together to corporately worship? You've got the presence of God and you've got the people of God. So really what we've experienced this morning in this powerful time of worship that we've just had, it's a little bit of heaven here on earth. And those who don't attend church miss out on that. It's a very sad thing. It's a tragic thing, really. I heard one pastor say it like this. He said, there are a lot of people who claim to be Christians who come to church three times in their life. When they're born, when they're married, and when they die. Or when they're hatched, matched, or dispatched. <laughs> He's right. A lot of people that claim the name of Jesus, 
Never darken the door of a church. And, and, and I know this because I went out knocking on doors. I went out in my community talking to people about the Lord. Man, you go out and you start sharing your faith and sharing the gospel. And it seems as though everybody claims to be a believer. Everybody claims to be a Christian. And then I ask them the question, well, where do you go to church? Well, I just, I just don't go to church. I just don't believe in going to, to, a, to a church building. That's just not how I worship. Folks, how can you even say that? That's completely and totally unscriptural. According to what God's truth shares with us right here in Hebrews chapter 10. So there are a lot of people um, who claim the name of Jesus who do not faithfully, regularly attend a local body of believers. Now, I want you to understand this morning. We've got to understand that coming to church, coming to a service like this, Corporate public worship is a privilege that we have. And do you realize right now in, in northern Africa where the church is exploding in growth? Um, and, and, and listen, most of the countries there are controlled um, by Muslim governments, Islamic governments, uh, and under Sharia law. A lot of the people in northern Africa who came to faith in Jesus... Some of them risk their lives on a weekly basis just to do what we're doing here this morning. Do you know in communist China, people risk their lives, risk persecution, imprisonment, and even death to do what we're doing freely right here this morning? It's a privilege that we have. We've got to understand that. But now listen to me, folks. It's also a beauty for the believer. I saw a church sign here a while back, and I agreed with it. It said, um, visitors welcome, members expected. I like that. That's true. Well, it should be. If you claim to be a member of this body of believers, then you need to get faithful to this body of believers. Amen? We talked some Wednesday night about how a lot of times people want a powerful church. They want a growing church. They want a glowing church shedding the light of the Lord Jesus Christ in their community and in their world. But few people actually want to do what's necessary to make your church an effective church. To make your church a growing church. To make your church a glowing church. But how do you know it's up to all of us? Working together. Individuals working together as one body. Doing and fulfilling the purpose of of the Lord Jesus Christ who is the head. If you believe it, say amen this morning. So, we need to understand it is a privilege, but it's also our duty as believers to be plugged in to a local body of believers, to a church. Let's look in Hebrews chapter number 10 down to verse number, we're going to start there in verse number 22, and we're going to read through verse number 27. I'll tell you what, let's just start in verse 19. Hebrews 10, 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart. Everybody say, draw near. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed. With pure water. Let's go on to verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another. I love this verse. 
Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to what? How do we show how we love God and love people? By what we do. Yes, it's important to say it, but we must provoke one another to good works. We've got to live it out. We've got to put, um, uh, uh, listen to me now, faith in action. We've got to act like God's telling the truth and do what God says. And Jesus said, if you love me, then you're going to do what I say. And so we provoke one another to love and to good works, which shows our love. Now let's go on. Look at the next verse. He says then in verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there reigneth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of a judgment and fire that indignation which shall devour all the adversaries. Let's pray about this. Father, we love you. And again, we thank you, Lord, for who you are. Speak truth to us. We need a fresh touch from you this morning. Holy Spirit, have your way and have your will, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So this morning, I want to give to you, it's really three main points that jump off the page in this passage of Scripture that tells us why we should be faithful to coming to corporate public worship. First of all, though, I want you to notice a phrase that's repeated in this passage over and over and over. It starts in verse number 22. Look in verse number 22 at the very first part. It says, let us draw near. Everybody see it? Look in verse 23, the very first part of that verse. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Look on down in verse number 23, or part 24. And let us consider one another. And so the one verse, the one um, uh, statement that's made in all three of these verses over and over and over again is just two words, let us. Let us. Now folks, I want to tell you something. I am not an English major. You've probably already figured that out. <laughs> Matter of fact, I, 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 I speak pretty much broken English. When I hear somebody speak good English, I know just how broken my English really is. It's hard for me to listen to myself just because of that. Um, and, and I think, my goodness, somebody go and prank a chainsaw because that's kind of what it sounds like, you know. Uh, it, it just don't, don't sound right to me. So I, I'm not an English major. The only thing I speak fluently is redneck. But I do know this about the, some of the English language. When you're talking about us, you're talking about two or more. Can you say amen to that? We know that, all right? I don't know everything, but I know that. Let us. He's talking about corporate Public worship in this passage. That's what we need to understand and realize. Now, why is it important for you and why is it important for me? Why is it important for every believer? Number one, we, we, we should be attending church on a regular basis. Number one, because we attend church to enjoy Jesus. To enjoy Jesus. Verse number 22 says, let us draw near. The Bible is telling us we have the great blessing, opportunity, and privilege of drawing near to Jesus when we corporately, publicly worship. Now, folks, I've told you this before, and I'm going to keep telling you. I can understand full well why I, a mere human being, would want to know the God who spoke and all things came into existence. I can understand why I would want to know and fellowship with the God who split the Red Sea. Can you say amen? 
I can understand and know how I would want to know the God who raised up Lazarus. Can you say amen? I can understand and know why I would want to know that Jesus who conquered the grave himself. Can you say amen? I understand all of that. What I can't understand is why that God would want to know me. But the Bible is telling us right here that we have the privilege when we come together to draw near to God the Son and the Son of God. We can draw near to God the Father. We can draw near by the work of the Holy Spirit in and through our lives. We have the privilege of getting close to Him. What an amazing thing. We come to church primarily to enjoy Jesus. That's what this has to be about. Not just to hear a sermon, but to enjoy Jesus. To experience His power. To experience His presence, which I hunger for. Which I desire more than anything else. Because folks, I want to tell you something. That means more than anything the world could ever offer. Lord, I love too about serving the Lord. Being a part of the body of Christ. Being plugged into His local church. Let me tell you what I love about it. I love that God sees exactly what we're doing. And the Bible says we're laying up treasure in a place where that treasure can't be touched. We're laying up treasure in heaven through our service to the Lord. See the treasure we gain here in this world. Jesus said that moss can break through and eat it up. Thieves can break through and steal it or it can rust. But the things we lay up in heaven cannot be touched. From anything this world has to offer. And this morning I'm so thankful. That we get the privilege of serving Jesus. That's enough. But then he says. While you're serving me. You're laying up treasures in heaven. Amazing. It's powerful. We get to. Enjoy. Jesus. When we choose. To corporately. Publicly. Worship together. You say. Wait a minute brother. I thought you told us. That God was omnipresent. That He's everywhere at all times. I did tell you that. And I told you that because God's Word tells us that. Psalm 139, starting in about verse 8, you'll see where King David himself talks about how that wherever he goes, he finds out God's already there. There's not a place in heaven or earth that God isn't present. He's omnipresent. He's always present everywhere. But let me tell you this. I want you to get a hold of this because I have experienced it and the Bible teaches it. Listen to me. God does something in corporate public worship that He don't do anywhere else. I'm telling you. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in other people's lives. The Bible says this in the book of Psalms. I, I, I love to sing praises with my brother. I love that. I love that word. I love coming and singing praises with my brothers and sisters. I know what he's talking about. I enjoy bringing praise to Jesus. Enjoying Jesus by his power and presence with God's people. With my brothers and sisters. Folks, let me tell you something. When we get together and this brother stands up before us, he does such a great job. I'm so thankful for your ministry. Everyone who on the worship team, thank you all. Brother, thank you for your leadership in that. But this brother stands up and man puts his heart and soul out there and he's prayed about it and he's prepared and he's up here singing praise to the Lord. Listen to me, folks. That is not just a segue to get you from Sunday school to the preaching hour. Listen, that is a time where we can come boldly to the 
throne of grace and say, Lord, I don't just want to ask you for something. I want to tell you thank you for all that you've already done. And I'm going to praise you through my worship. Take advantage of that. Don't miss out on that. I like to sing with the brethren. You say, hold on, wait, brother. I can't sing. I ain't never stopped me. Let me tell you why. I ain't singing for you. I ain't singing for you. I sat over here by oh, Garrett. I'm so glad you're here today, young man. I sat by Garrett right here this morning. I thought, man, I bet Garrett, I bet his ears are about to bust because I'm singing like I'm singing. But then I thought, I ain't singing for Garrett. I feel sorry for Garrett, but I ain't singing for Garrett. Right? I'm one of those jailhouse singers. I'm always a few bars behind. You know what I'm talking about? Brother, the people say, Brother, I can't sing in key. Folks, I don't need a key. The door's already been unlocked. Let me tell you why. Jesus said, the Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And I can do that. And you can do that. And we ought to do that. And make our audience an audience of one when we sing praise unto Jesus. I get to come together on a Sunday morning and sing praise to Christ. I'm going to take advantage of that privilege. Amen. I get to come together on Wednesday night and sing praise unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And guess what? I'm going to take advantage of that privilege. Now, we've got a ministry, or at least we did, and maybe we still do some guys what we can, I think. But right now we don't have internet. We ain't been broadcasting our services um, over Facebook Live like we were doing, but I think we are still doing um, the... Uh, the uh, SoundCloud ministry, you know, for our, our church uh, and the services that we do every week. And if you're listening to me on that, whenever you hear this, and you can't be in service, I, I'm not talking to you. But, but if you're listening to me on that ministry, instead of being in service, this message is definitely for you. Do you understand me? Because that, has not, that was never meant to be an excuse for you not to come and corporately, publicly worship with the people of God. And if you're using it for that, it's wrong. Now, it's a privilege to enjoy Jesus. And it's something, folks, we get to do. Not something we have to do. That's where our mindset has to change. Not, I don't have to come to church. No, I get to come to church. I get to come and experience the power and presence of God. I get to hear God's truth. I get to see my brothers and sisters in Christ. I get to encourage the brethren and be encouraged. And, and encouraged. Are you getting me? We get to do it. The Lord made this so plain to me years ago. I had a dear friend of mine, uh, him and his daughter. He, he was an avid uh, Alabama fan. Rabid Alabama fans, probably the best word to use in that. He loves some Alabama football. I mean, I really loved it. Him and his daughter had season tickets the whole time I ever knew him, and I worked with him for about 20 years, close to it. So uh, just a great guy, though. Man, fantastic dude. And he called me up one Monday morning, and he said, Listen, man, my daughter's not going to the game this weekend. They're playing Arkansas in Tuscaloosa, SEC football game. And, and y'all know, um, folks, I've struggled with making football an idol in my life. I'll just be honest. So I've, I've come to find out that football is a it's, a, it's a terrible God, but it's a great sport. Right? So I just want you to know where I'm coming from. I love football, I'm saying. I enjoy it. I really do. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I, I want to tell you this. 
I was so fired up when he asked me to go to that Arkansas football game. I was like, yeah, man, let's do it. Dude, we, I was planning up, well, hey, we're going to stop. We're going to get some chicken wings over in Fayette at the, at the smokehouse, and we're going to get down there, and I'm going to eat chicken wings all day and go watch Alabama put something on uh, Arkansas, and it's going to be fantastic. And I can't wait to see all this. It's going to be great, man. Let's do it. I was so fired up all week. And then about Wednesday, Dear brother from New Albany, Mississippi called me up who went to the Bible Institute with. He said, uh, Brother Israel, I said, yeah, man, what's up? He said, are we still on for Saturday night? And I said, brother, I'm sorry. You're going to have to refresh my memory. What's Saturday night? He said, you're supposed to be at my church in New Albany preaching a men's conference Saturday night. And I said, man, let's do it. Hey, I'm going to pray for you and you pray for me. So I get off the phone, call up my buddy. I said, look, man, I'm going to have to take a rain check on the game. I'm, I'm not going to be able... To make it this weekend, I have to go preach. Saturday night. And God the Holy Spirit, like he sometimes does with me, takes his tuba before and hits me right between the eyes with it. That's what it felt like. And it's almost like I heard in my spirit. You know, I've said it before, folks. I've never heard God speak audibly. I've never heard a deep, booming voice from heaven speak to me, but sometimes it's louder than that when he speaks to your spirit. And it's almost like God said to me, you don't have to do nothing. You don't have to do anything. And I thought, man, this is not something I have to do. God don't need me. This is something I get to do. I get to share truth that changes hearts and I get to love Jesus. And I get to show my love to people. I get to be a part of the God of the universe and what he's doing in this world. This is not a have to. This is a get to. You don't have to come to church. You get to come to church. You don't have to serve in your local body. You get to serve in your local body. Listen, you don't have to give in the offering plate. You get to give in the offering plate. Why? Because all of it's an act of worship. We come to church. We should come to church to enjoy Jesus. Now, I'm going to preach. And I hope that you come to listen. And I hope you don't get finished before I do. Amen? But, ultimately, primarily, our goal is not just to come and hear a sermon, but to enjoy Jesus. Are you getting me? Worship Him. To glorify and honor Him. That's where it's at. That's what makes it powerful. That's what makes it a privilege. Enjoy Jesus. Heard a story one time about two ladies leaving church. They was walking through the church parking lot. One looked over at the other. She said, what do you think about that sermon? The other one said, well, I didn't like it. She said, why didn't you like it? She said, because he read it all. She said, and what he read went worth writing. Some messages are like that. I've preached some messages like that. Matter of fact, I've got bored with the message I'm preaching and think, Lord, did I miss you some way? Because it's terrible. But, but, even if there is a bad message, you can still enjoy Jesus. 
Even if you don't like a song that's saying, you can still enjoy Jesus. Even if you didn't agree with the Sunday school teacher, you can still enjoy Jesus when you corporately, publicly come together to worship. Number one, why should we worship to enjoy Jesus? Number two, why should we worship to express our salvation? Look at the next verse, verse 23. Watch what this says. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Isn't that good? Now, what does it mean when we say we profess faith in Jesus? Well, we're professing that we believe Jesus came and was born perfect, lived perfect, went to a cross and died for our sins, and then rose again the third day so that we might be born again. We place trust in him for salvation and say, you know what? We profess Jesus is now our Lord. I'm not my Lord. The world's not my Lord. I'm not going my way or their way. I'm going to go His way because He is the way, the truth, and the life. That's what a profession is. And what the writer is saying here, when we, let us, when we come together to corporately, publicly worship, you're saying, you know what? I still believe in Jesus. I'm still following Jesus. I still trust in Him. I still honor, glorify, and worship Him. See, you don't, whether you know it or not, you're preaching a message. Every time you crank up that car, pull out your driveway on Sunday morning and head to church, you're preaching a message. Listen to me, Davis. You are preaching a message when you get up early on a Sunday morning, put that Bible on your arm, gather them youngers up, and bring them to church. You're letting them know, I still trust in Jesus. I still believe in Jesus. I still follow Jesus. Listen to me, husbands. When you get up in the morning, on a Sunday morning, you put that Bible on your arm, and you lead your family to church, you're telling your wife, I still believe in Jesus. I still trust in Jesus. I still follow Jesus. When you back that car out of the carport on a Sunday morning, you're telling your neighbors that live all around you, hey, I still believe in Jesus. I still follow Jesus. I'm still trusting in Jesus. I had a lady one time, missed services for a few days during summer, a few weeks there, and I wouldn't like her. You know? I got worried about it. I called her up. And I said, uh, Sister, I just want to know you. Everything okay? I ain't seen you in a while. And she said, Brother, I just, man, I've had so much going on. She said, I've been out picking peas. Brothers and sisters, listen to me. I love black eyed peas. Black eyed peas and cornbread? Oh, my God. Fantastic. Have you ever picked black-eyed peas? Where you're bent over like this in a pea patch pulling them peas at 110 degree heat. You know what I'm talking about? Sweat running off the end of your nose picking peas. I've been there. And I thought, my goodness. And I told her this. I said, sister, you mean to tell me you'd rather pick peas than come to church? Somebody right with that. Let me tell you something. The peas can wait. Yeah. Now you say, well, brothers, I ain't got a pea patch. You got something? What's your pea patch? What's your pea patch? It can wait. Come to church. God's got something for you. And you're letting everybody else know, I still trust in Jesus. I still follow Jesus. 
dear brother come to service one Sunday morning. I was uh, down at another church before I came here. All of us men were sitting out on the porch that morning. And, uh, this brother comes up. He'd been in church in probably a month or two. You know, He walked up on the porch, and one of the guys said, man, I've been missing you. Good to see you, bud. And he said, uh, well, I didn't have no peanut butter. I know what it is. And the guy that said, I'm glad to see you, said, well, what's that got to do with you not being in church? He said, well, one excuse is good enough. That's right. I didn't have no peanut butter. Folks, don't miss out on what God has for you because you want to make an excuse not to be here. You people say this, well, brother, I hear people tell me this all the time. I just feel like I can worship the Lord better out on that lake Casting that line. I just feel like I'm one with the Lord when I'm out there swinging that line. Boy, when I'm sitting up in that deer stand, you know, and, and I'm waiting on that buck and the morning sun comes up and it burns all the mist off. I just feel so close to the Lord. You may tell you what that, let me tell you what that is. That's somebody that wants to have, feel good about not doing what they know they should be doing. Anything wrong with Alabama football? No. Anything wrong with casting that line and catching a fish? No. Anything wrong with sitting in a deer stand and waiting on that Bambi to come out so you can blast it? Nothing wrong with any of that. But when that takes priority on the worship of Jesus, then we all got a problem. Are you getting you are expressing your salvation when you make the decision. Say, you know what? I'm still trusting the Lord. Let's put this in context with what was going on there. You remember, if you've been to our Wednesday night Bible study, we're studying the book of Hebrews, and we found out that these people were under tremendous persecution because they had trusted in Christ and were following Him and, and were corporately worshiping together. They were under severe persecution. Some of them even being killed. I mean, they went through some terrible things. Now listen to me. A lot of what was happening with these folks, and remember who the, who, who's, that, who's this book to? The who? It's the Hebrews. It's the Jews. Now, they came from the Old Testament covenant under the law. And they began to realize that the people who were still worshiping under the Old Testament covenant, covenant under the law were not being persecuted. Not being imprisoned. Not being you know, killed some of them. None of that was happening to them. But they realized this group over here who had professed Jesus and was worshiping Him, they were being persecuted. And so a lot of them started saying, you know what? I think I'm going back to the old way. And so the whole point of the book of Hebrews is about the writer through the person, through the God the Holy Spirit giving us, listen to me now, the reasons why Jesus and His new covenant is so much better than the old covenant. And why you need to hang in there with Jesus. It's over and over and over again. Alright? Now then, that's why he says, look down at verse number 25. He says, Oh, um, not forsaking the assembling ourselves together as the manner of what? Some in. Some were doing that. Some were forsaking the assembling and not worshiping anymore. And listen, going back to the old way of doing things. Why? Why? Because of the persecution. And they were no longer professing Christ. Now, let's go on to, to, the, to the next verse right here. Look on down to verse number 26. 
For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. Now what's he talking about? He said you can't go back to the Old Testament way of doing things because that ain't how God does things anymore. What was God doing in the Old Testament? God in the Old Testament was making it, was really foreshadowing the coming of Jesus and saying that a, a lamb without spot or blemish had to be killed and the blood had to be applied to the mercy seat. Do you remember? All of that had to be done. All of that was necessary so that the sins of the people would be rolled forward year after year after year after year. And that was all pointing to Jesus who was the true Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Are you getting me? And then he says, you're going back to the old covenant. That's going to do you no good. Because there's no sacrifices for sin anymore. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 1 makes this even more plain. Look what it says. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of those things can never with those sacrifices which they offer year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. Verse 2. For then they would not have ceased to be offered because that the worshippers once purged should have no more conscience of sins. Verse 3. Watch this. But in those sacrifices there is remembrance again made of sins every year. Verse 4. I love this. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. He's saying the same thing in Hebrews 10.26 that he said in Hebrews 10.1-3. Those Old Testament sacrifices are, not, are no good no more. God's got a new plan. A new covenant. And that covenant is now no longer under, under the law but under Amen? Some of them had chosen to go back to doing the old things and no longer corporately worshiping together because they were afraid of persecution. You say, brothers, was those people saved? Did they lose their salvation? No, I don't think they lost their salvation. I don't think they ever had salvation. Let me tell you, folks, I can't talk you into coming to church. Now, I want to encourage you to do that. I want to tell you the benefit of doing that. But the truth is, I can't make you be faithful. No more than you can make me be faithful. Let me tell you what causes me to want to come and worship. I have a desire for the things of God. I do. You say, brother, you're going to be here Sunday because they pay you. Well, they do pay me. Well, you don't really pay me. You pay God and God pays me. That's really how that works. You give your money to God, then I get paid. But I do get paid. And I'm thankful for it. Right? But, now listen to me. Even if I wouldn't get paid, I'll tell you this, I'd still be here Sunday. Let me tell you why. Because I got a desire for the things of God. Are you understand what I'm saying? When God gives you a new nature, He gives you a new desire. And if you don't have a desire to worship Jesus, maybe you just need to be saved. And good news is, God's still in the saving business. Amen. Trust Him. Love Him. Serve Him. He's worth it. We should come to church to enjoy Jesus. We should come to church to express our salvation. But we should also come to church to encourage the brethren. Look at the next verse. Hebrews chapter 10. Verse number 24. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. You know another reason why I love coming to church? 
is, is to do just that. I hope and pray that you are encouraged, blessed, and helped by the truth I try to preach to you. I hope that's the case. I want to give you the truth of the Word of God again by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's my desire. And I hope that happens. And I want to keep doing that. And you know what? When I come to church, maybe I can help you a little bit. But I'm going to tell you something else. You also helped me a little bit. A lot. Let me tell you how you helped me. Hey, listen to me now. As your pastor, there is nothing more encouraging than you see when you see somebody hungry for the things of God. Because I know how beneficial that is in their life. I've, I've experienced it in mine. I know what that's going to do for them. I know how enjoying Jesus changes you. How it makes you a better husband, a better father. How it helps you to be the witness God's called you to be. That's encouraging to me. How many times have you come to church? Um, this happens to me a lot, man. I'll come to church and I'll be speaking with brothers and sisters in Christ. Just uh, talking about the, the good things God's done for us. Maybe talking about some of the struggles that I have. you know, And they're talking about some of the struggles they have. And maybe they don't even know what I'm going through. And they'll start saying things and talking about things and how God did this and how God did that. And it's just almost like they're hitting exactly what I need. Over and over and over again. Sometimes it happens on a one-on-one -on -one individual basis. Sometimes it happens in a group. Sometimes it happens at a service like this. Sometimes it happens in Sunday school. What am I saying? Listen to me. God the Holy Spirit who lives in me knows what I need and knows what you need. And God the Holy Spirit who lives in you knows what you need and knows what I need. And he uses me to speak to you and he uses you to speak to me. I encourage you you encourage me and we all go together. Are you getting what I'm saying? So why is it important that you're here? I might need to hear from you. And God might use you to speak to me. And hopefully, prayerfully, I hope God uses me to speak to you. And we all get to enjoy Jesus together. Provoke one another unto love and good works. And I want to spur you on. Hey, man, keep on keeping on. I heard this brother right here standing up this morning. He's just preaching here on Sunday morning, doing a fantastic job. Y'all come out and be a part of it. They aren't you. Oh, brother, that's early. Man, I got to be there. What time? What time does that start, man, in the morning? 9, 4, 5, 10 o'clock. That's early for a Sunday morning. You'll get up at 6 to go to work on Monday morning. You ain't going to be late for work. Right? What would your boss say if he's late tomorrow? Well, who do you love better, boss, your boss or Jesus? Are y'all getting what I'm saying? I'm telling you, you. Take advantage of what's being offered. Provoke one another. One another. The Bible has a lot to say about one another. I want to give you some of it. I'm, I'm done. I'm having a hard time getting this horse in the barn. Look, uh, John chapter 14, verse 13. Jesus said, wash one another's feet. Serve one another is what he's talking about. Romans chapter 12, and verse 
number number 16 says prefer one another. Romans 12, uh, excuse me, Romans 12, 10 says prefer one another. Romans 12, 16 says that we're to have the same mind one to another. Romans 14, 13 says don't judge one another. James 3 and 11 says don't speak evil of one another. Romans 14, 19 says edify one another. Romans 15, 17 says receive one another. 1 Corinthians 12, 25 says care for one another. 1 Peter 4 and 10 says minister gifts to one another. 1 Corinthians 16, 20 says uh, greet one another. Galatians 5, 13 says serve one another. Galatians 6, 20 says bear uh, one another's burdens. Ephesians 5, 20 says, 21 says submit to one another. 1 Thessalonians 4, 18 says comfort one another. Hebrews 3, 13 says exhort or encourage one another. James 5, 16 says confess your faults to one another. Again in James 5, 16 says that we should pray for one another. Let's go on. He then says, 1 Peter 4 and 9, be hospitable to one another. And then, 1 John 1, 7 says that we are to fellowship with one another. Amen. You know what I think the New Testament, the Bible is trying to tell us? We are important to one another. I need you. You need me. We all need Jesus. We're all in this together. We can grow together by helping one another in all these ways. In all these ways. Everybody stand together this morning.